Everybody, welcome back to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast with some long-awaited ketchup. <laughs> Big old fat bottle building up, uh, overflowing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gotta hit that yeah. release. I do valve. apologize. Just mine like was ketchup. like a little bit dry. Like mine was scraping the bottom of the barrel of ketchup, and that's actually the, quite the opposite of what we have in store for yeah. you today. Yeah. No. In in addition to. To uh, the new movies coming out, we are in a hot TV season right mm-hmm. now, so it's just a matter of uh, of seeing what we even have the time to get to today in terms of all the things that we gotta catch up on today on the show. Welcome, my name's Ernest. I am Hunter, but with better posture tonight. Is that true? Um, well, I'm sitting in a chair. That's so- true. Like, I'm kind of forced to have better posture. It's not good. really by choice. You look well. Um, I mean, if you could see me from behind, it's actually like this insane hump that I have like yeah. going on back here. Like, if each of my vertebrae could be Gabriel escaping from my body, then mm. they would be. God, I wish. I wish mm. that were me. Uh, and I'm Drew, and I, I got to be honest, I'm all caught up. Oh, good. So I don't have anything. Good, good, oh, good. Cool. You're just, I, I you're just here ago. to vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, hold on. You're sitting in a chair. That's exactly what yeah. Madame Webb does. <laughs> the star of the new Sony Pictures uh, vehicle called Morbius? Madame Webb. Are you Webb. talking about Morbius? Yeah, they're building out the, Mor- the Morbius yeah. verse. You didn't hear about this? Mm-hmm. Bad Bunny is El Muerto. <sighs> I don't. Bad you- Bunny <laughs> is. He is not good at anything. He is he is yet to be good at something yet. And people so people fucking love Bad the Bunny. thing is, I applaud him for continuing to try to find something that he's good at. You know what I mean? Because singing ain't it. He's he's not a singer. He kind of hums. I, he's kind of cutty. He, he, he does. He does one note. He just goes, yeah, you know, and uh, props to him for uh, hooking up with really good producers. He has mm. good beats. So maybe that's what he he's learned. At. He learned Japanese. Okay. That's really cool. Um, so that's something else. <laughs> I will say that, um, I actually can't comment on bad bunnies, uh, talents due to, um, a person who I may or may not work with being tied to bad bunny and his tour. Wow. Oh, so so how, how does I actually cannot you? comment on this, uh, <laughs> Due to conflict of interests uh, in my own life. Um, I'm sure. I work with Mrs. Bad Bunny. Oh, right. Yeah. Good Bunny. I work with Jessica Good Rabbit. Bunny. <laughs> I, work with, I work with Good Bunny. Are we, are we going to review El Muerto on this show? Because <laughs> um, we, miss, we miss Morbius. The Morbius. It was supposed to be the summer of Morbius. It is. It, is. it still is. Yeah. It's not even summer well, it hasn't. It's crazy. It hasn't come out yet. It's Whenever the, it gets released, it's going to be the summer of Morbius. I know that it hasn't come out yet because otherwise we would be renaming movie theaters Morbius centers. Yeah. A- a- ambulance f- showers <laughs> bring Morbius flowers. <laughs> Did you hear that there is actually an ambulance chase? Yeah, baby. 
in uh, was it in LA? Um, because if if that's the case, like baby, we are on the pulse. Already. I I think that it was a really it was like a John Hinckley situation. Chicago. It was like an over dedicated <sighs> fan. Well, you know? it's it's expensive to shoot in LA. Yeah, really, so. it's it's Ambu Chicagoans. <laughs> Chicagoans. <laughs> that's just the new show on Chicago Night yeah. on NBC, <laughs> dude. It would Wait, is there? Yeah, there's fire med. Well, I guess it would be a spinoff of med. Emerge, yeah, it'd be like emergency vehicle. Yeah, yeah, Law and Order emergency vehicle. Chicago unit. EMTs. <laughs> um, um, real quick, since I mentioned the Bad Bunny thing, uh, CinemaCon is happening right now as of this recording, and uh, we got our first reveal at Avatar Two. It's happening. It's called the Way of Water. <laughs> Um, so is James that the Cameron. colon? Yeah, it's colon the way of water. Yeah. Um, also, we got our first for you, look James. at I'm happy for you. Barbie, the film, mm-hmm. uh, which features uh, Gret- Gretna Gerwig behind, behind, the cur- uh, <laughs> behind the camera and Margot Robbie as Barbie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other I don't know if there was any, any other huge um, CinemaCon things. I guess the. Uh, Hunter, the, Hunter's I, got. You guys uh, just see yeah, this? no. Hunter's got there's, the other big. There's one something out. that just broke this like is, an hour ago. No, yeah, I just um, right, just read just read this headline. Olivia Wilde <laughs> served custody papers over her kids with Jason Sudeikis <laughs> during CinemaCon. Yeah, on stage. This as she's presenting. Wait, did this like just happen? Well, like, what uh, this must have happened because the the don't worry darling was yesterday. So, so it probably like it didn't get she like played it off very well because she's an actress yeah somebody um, just handed her something yeah just like walked up and we're just like were you olivia munn she's like yes i am she's like hi well, you've been served oh man that rocks gotcha um, motherfucker damn so uh sucks to be olivia wilde right now um, sucks to be yeah Jason i would Sudeikis. man, I would man to be god olivia if, I had to, if, uh, I had just, if i had to just fuck harry styles every night that stinks man, man. Uh, are we only i don't know if we're ready for that movie like just the way people are reacting to one single photo of Harry Styles kissing Florence Pugh, it's like, damn, people are going to go rabid um, over this shit. Yeah, if you haven't noticed, Harry Styles is a bit of a hunk in Hollywood. Oh yeah, do you see his I Coachella? Set? Is that true? Um, yeah, he's you know for how insanely mids all his music is, he's really good at performing it. Yeah. So that's a bad take, um, because Harry Styles is actually he will really have good. zero impact on music as a whole in his entire life, and I promise you that his new song is I, just mids strokes. That's so that is a bad take. Okay, like I don't even want to no, get right. to this. Harry right Styles now. is, is, is a, a great album. Remember, is remember when he took he took you mushrooms going, and he was like, "What a manager. You're going like anti poptimism right now over here. Like pop music is actually bad, and like no, really, no, no, we should no, no, only no. listen to like industrial music and listen to pavement and no, like be sad. Mids, go back to listening to your depressed. Go back to your depression okay drew i'm, I'm sure and just that, uh, enjoy pop music whenever it's very if well you were done. single would you would you be i like sing- fine line i think the fine line is a great album <laughs> you wouldn't though no i yeah. think the fine line is a really good pop this, album this um, this is much like uh pop, when pop can be better than this we can we can aim bigger than harry fucking styles this is a bad take no you're right he should keep stealing queer aesthetics <laughs> and uh making straight people music that's that's really cool of him I yeah, I actually think that gender fluidity is very cool, and I don't think that we should see binaries and things, Drew. His, so, his, uh, I, his outfit um, was hot. 
Yeah, he's oh, a hot all of, dude. All of the, no, he's but, a hot dude and he's talented at making music. Hold on. Your your defense of Harry Styles just now, it smelled the same scent of when you said that you would love to go see Minions, The Rise of Gru, <laughs> as if you had a choice in the matter. Like, we should go together Well, I want to go. Just, hands. I do want to go see Minions, Rise of Gru, but I'm mostly because I just want to see, like, how did... How did he rise? Right. Yeah. You yeah. know, I love origin stories. Yeah. Avatar, the rise of Gru. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Avatar, the owls of Gahul. <laughs> the, the other thing I wanted to mention uh, news wise is we need to take a moment of silence for Adam, friend of the pod. Um, this, he is in is mourning right. right now after Justin Lin has Ju- departed. Justin Lin watched Ambulance and he was like, I can't, <laughs> I compete. can't do it. I, we have to give it over to Michael Bay. <laughs> OK, so somebody did a screen record of a, I guess it was a story that Vin posted on Instagram. It's so, it's somewhere yes. out there on, on Twitter. It was it was him <laughs> and a really not into it. Justin. Yeah. Lin. Yeah. And Vin goes up to him and he's like, so, Justin. Is this going to be the best fast movie ever? <laughs> and Justin like takes a beat and he kind of does like a shrug. Oh, <laughs> He's no. like, yeah. <laughs> Tough. He li- he has no say over whether or not it'll be the f- best fast movie ever. <laughs> yeah. And he, he knew it. So, production. <laughs> so what do we think that what do we think this means? Who do we think is going to come in here? Do we think that's Vin? It's Vin. Is Vin it, just going to That would over? be the most interesting choice is just for Vin to be like, I got this, guys. My directorial debut is going to be Fast 10. <laughs> the conclusion to the epic Fast Saga. He I'm has just, directed. He has some directing credits. Yeah, he's directed. But no features. Um, you do know, like everybody knows what this is leaving the door open for, though. Is that this could uh, be the triumphant return of James Wan to the Fast probably, He's probably, he's booked up, dude. They he's just fine. started filming. He's fine. Don't worry, he can come in there. They're filming right now with no director. Yeah, it's fine. James Wan can come in there and he'll be like, oh shit, uh, we're filming all this, but we don't have a big bad. There's Charlize Theron, but like, there's something inside of Charlize that's like making her mad. No, inside of Momoa. Momoa's oh, inside of bad. Momoa. Yeah. That's making He's him. He's got the long hair. He does have the long hair. Yeah. And what if Gabriel joins the family? He's got to go in there. I think that Gabriel is going to join the family. It's where this is setting up to. I think that James Wan actually, as I love Justin Lin, he's incredible. But James Wan like understands kind of like the soap opera-ness right. of this franchise in a really great way. And I hope that they get somebody who understands that because like the worst case scenario is that they get um, F. Gary Gray. Yeah. F. Gary Fate. Gray, who made Faye of the Furious, which is just... Yeah, uh, just not. He's probably sitting movie. by the phone right now. He wants it. <laughs> Believe me, I don't think that I, I think F. Gary Gray is available. Yeah, uh, he's like clinically available. So I know obviously like there's like been the stock quote from Lynn of like, oh, yeah. you know, I've decided to step away. Staying on as producer, man, like you got to like, why? Wait, I am because, itching to find because out. he wasn't walking in, like not knowing how big of an undertaking it would be. He knew exactly what it would well, be. Well, it was, they had a whole plan. Nine was a setup for 10 and 11 for yeah. the big finale. So he, he mm-hmm. knew exactly what the undertaking was. He knew the entire team behind it. He knew the prep work he'd have to do. He knew the cast. Yeah. What made him. We're going to find out sooner or later. Someone's going to 
is going to talk. I, probably after the movie comes out, we'll it's, find it's, out. It's interesting. I mean, I you know, obviously, I hope all is well with him. But uh, aside from that, I just I want some juice. I drop. think <laughs> I, I want think some spice that, to drop. Uh, Vin is just going off the rails with what he wants the story to be. They they're going off book, off plan. Like they must have had some type of of blueprint for where this story was going to go and they're probably so far off that at this point with vin being like we got to bring in the ghost of paul walker to <laughs> driving like a jesus car that was that, that was rocks. like the original um, plan probably <laughs> yeah. fucking movies what i am confused here is like what is next in this universe because also like it's not like justin lynn is the first big piece of this franchise it's going to be absent for 10 i mean as of right now, there's no plans for The Rock to return, um, right. who is one yeah, half I, of Hobbs and Shaw. Vin so, made, made a he, he I, turned on The Rock signal. Yeah, he wants. <laughs> maybe that's how I can get him to come back. He's like, Dwayne, do you want to co-direct this movie with me? Dude. I can't. Just we got to Dom and Hobbs together <laughs> running the show. I want it to like and, uh, break and the Paul Walker's wall. brother. Yeah. And <laughs> Wait, no. Brie Larson joined the cast. So maybe they can get uh, Bree, the in there. the director of Unicorn Store. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. That's a big get. Um. Oh my god! I had eliminated that movie from my memory, and it all just came rushing back. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what I happens think with most Fast X. People did, unfortunately. It's a uh, it's a fascinating object of curiosity, and and we're praying for you, Adam. We hope you're okay out there. This is big because Justin Lind, you know, he has his as good a grip on that insane fucking franchise he made it great it. he he turned yeah. it into the like it's like a very strangely controlled insanity now right when it for a while there in the in the mid movies like the you know the aughts yeah it was not a good version of well he yeah, made, some, he made who... some of the shitty ones though he came in uh he did three four five he did three he right? did four five six I don't do think three? he did three. Did he do three? Um, Tokyo Drift. I will say Tokyo Drift is not a good movie, and I don't care what the fast heads say. Oh yeah. no, he did do three. Um, yeah. So that was a. So he comes in, does three, four, and five, and then six. Right? He does six too. Uh, yeah, he did three, four, five, six. Yeah, he did all those, and then Juan came in for seven. Uh, F. Gary Gray came in for eight, and then came back. Uh, Lynn came back for nine. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. He's we'll kind of like the lifeblood of this uh, new version, the revitalized version of the franchise. So, All right. We got some catch up to get to. We have mm. a couple big TV items we want to get to. But before then, a uh, few movies that I've been watching that I want to shout out real quick. Uh, fastball style. Uh, maybe <laughs> curveball style. Is that a... Maybe, maybe rounding first yeah. to third to home. Uh-huh. Watch uh -huh. Moneyball, boys. Oh, yeah. First time. Actually, not a lot of baseball playing that happens in that movie. <laughs> right. That's, I mean, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Um, they understand that. It's actually, that's an instance where analytics are more interesting than the yeah, actual sport. Right. It's more fun covering. to watch people do math than <laughs> watch people play I, um I definitely saw this movie when it came out, which was over 10 years ago at this point. And it didn't really leave that much of, a, of an impact on me. Um, I had it like at three and a half stars on Letterboxd, you know, and then, uh, it's on Netflix. So I just fired it up and I was so sucked into it. Mm -hmm. I, I watched like 
I didn't watch it all in one sitting, but I it was hard for me to like put pause on it for long stretches. I was like so sucked into it. And yeah, a lot of it is just kind of uh talking about sports mm-hmm. and not actual playing of sports. Yeah, it's and it's also I mean it's obviously only aged better and better because uh me and Hunter are, are very very into sports analytics. Neither of us like baseball at As all. like literally right before uh we hit recording, we're just like going through. I made an Excel sheet of like NFL draft bets that I have. <laughs> nice. So I uh yeah um the you're right the billy bean of it all has kind of aged it beautifully because it's infected every sport it will, every sport it, has a it's also analytics. a huge deal for baseball in particular because there's a domino effect like billy bean is partially responsible for baseball becoming increasingly irrelevant because as it turns out there's been something in baseball that i don't fully understand but it's called the shift and it's basically a change in the way the sport is played to better suit like data, how data right. says you can play. It turns out in baseball, when you play the way data tells you to, baseball becomes a lot more boring. Yeah, it's just more boring. It's <laughs> Which, because no, this it, is, this it, is it literally is it's shifting players to the left or to the right, depending on like you study data this sets. guy. There, yeah. There's a tendency that he always pulls like whatever uh like hit that he's making over to the left side so you shift everybody over so games go by and they take longer because defenses are better and it makes it is like making people who are otherwise irrelevant not top picks not expensive players just as valuable to some teams as like your max contract and then meanwhile analytics has made something like basketball way more fun to watch um, because it's it's created the three-point explosion um but yeah uh billy bean's has an insanely outsized effect on sports. Brad Pitt rules. Dude, he is incredible in this movie. movie. Mm -hmm. Like just uh, such a movie star performance. Like Mm -hmm. you're just so drawn into him. But uh, to what you were saying, it, I guess there's this irony now that I think about it, because there's a line that, that uh, Pitt says, I think a couple of times through the movie, he says like, you can't help but be romantic about baseball or something like that. And it's funny that like what he pioneered, made it arguably less romantic in Mm -hmm. the long run. Like Mm -hmm. the legacy of what he did took a little bit of that romance out of it. Um, So it's interesting that that, you know, that's kind of like the legacy, not of the movie, but of like the real life guy. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's obviously like a cartoonized version, but of what actually happened in baseball and what still is happening, by the way, like this, the the analytics revolution has only just like begun in sports, but the the conversations have between Billy and Jonah Hill versus the old scouts who are like he's got an ugly girlfriend. Those are some of the yeah. best scenes. It's so good. They are, and the, they're also the, legitimately, you know, they're dramatized. But that is the like that is the boiled down, distilled analytics debate right there. Well, those guys, you can tell there's a whole history of of them. Of it's like it's how they did it. It's how their daddies did it. It's how their daddies did it. Like it, there's the history of the sport being played in a certain way and being and these teams being assembled in a certain way that is completely being just thrown out the window with the way these new guys are doing with what they call money ball mm-hmm. which is basically just like just using straight numbers and stats to build the teams yeah. and and for all that uh billy accomplished 
the biggest critique of his particular revolution with the A's is that it never put them over the top. They yeah, never, they, never they never won, won. a World Series um, without that because it, they won a lot of games. Though. Yeah, it yeah. was able it was able to make a, a very frugal franchise get to the playoffs, but that's not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So you need that extra little bit of secret sauce. You need. Yeah, yeah you need. I've, there's been a draft, an NFL draft meme going around. That's like it's like the bus meme of someone seeing the you know the dark side of the bus <laughs> and the light side, yeah. and the dark side of the bus is like, um, it's like you know the analytics don't like him, and then the light side is like. He got a little of that dog in him, <laughs> which great. is literally just I, what, that's what Moneyball is. Yeah, <laughs> because I, uh, that there is an amount of of you gotta just be able to see if he's got that dog in him. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean to the point like it is, it's kind of twofold with the Moneyball thing because like you said, Ernest, like for the most part, it's just guys talking. Like there isn't yeah. a lot of playing baseball that happens, and that way, like it does a really good job at kind of diluting things down to their base form to make them digestible and make them cinematic. It's almost like it's kind of a weird comparison, but something like the big short where the big short is taking like a very heady concept that people don't understand with the housing collapse and trying to make it cinematic in some way. Um, But it's funny that that movie came out. Moneyball came out in 2011. And the fact that came out and it was a great movie. It was telling this analytics revolution. And then Hollywood had the gall to make a movie as fucking god awful as Draft Day just three years later with Kevin Costner. Um, So it's trying to do it's directed by Ivan Reitman, legend. Um, And it is uh, telling the story of Kevin Costner who takes over as the Cleveland Browns owner and he needs to like get himself a winner and like actually you know save the day. And the whole thing is just it's on the Draft Day itself. It's like we have to make the player you have the number one pick you got to take this like good quarterback and at the end of the day spoilers for draft day a movie that i think is awful <laughs> um some people love it i think they're insane and they've never watched a sport in their life um in the end they they don't draft the star quarterback because they do their research and they find out that none of his teammates showed up to his birthday party oh <laughs> can't draft him yeah you can't draft him yeah instead they draft um <laughs> They draft Chadwick Boseman's character, Vontae Mack, number one overall, a linebacker, number one overall, which, dear wow. God, just <laughs> fucking is, nightmare. When has that even happened? It was in the last, 2014 like- was when this movie was set to be made. If that happened now, that would be insane. That's fucking a linebacker, deranged. number one overall, also because just- he had a family. And so he's like a yeah. family guy. They and also, people went to his birthday. They, they also literally birthday just combined the names Vontae Davis and Khalil Mack because those are two players that were drafted like the year before that. Yeah, you're a hundred percent right. And then they like they just it's the most insane thing that you've ever heard in your life where he's like he trades out of a pick and then trades back in and just like uh, uh calls calls Seattle, like calls the GM a motherfucker. So then he's just like, Well, I guess I I gotta trade it. He's just like, I'll trade you four first round picks for this number three pick and people it's so dumb it's literally the dumbest movie ever made hey, moneyball is much better watch moneyball friend of the of friend day. of the pod griffin newman yeah on i was i was yeah, about to, um, and arian foster friend of me and yeah. hunters yeah fantasy legend good friend um, of ours but yeah mo- moneyball rules i think the thing that really made it riveting for me is just the 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 way you get sucked into the relationship with the characters with like there's this very easy setup where it's like, oh, Billy Bean doesn't he's the kind of GM who doesn't even talk to the players because it makes him easier to cut. And then throughout the course of the movie, he develops a bond with the players because that's how he gets them to play the way 
he wants them no, to play yeah, exactly. through the reasoning of him picking them in the first place with the stats. Yeah, you have, they to, have to play a certain way. You have to be able mind. to communicate with them. I mean, this is another thing that happens in, in very analytically driven front offices is you do have to be able to communicate with players. Yeah, they need to know. They don't they, like yeah. you and don't want to do well for you. Well, and they that also, matters. They also need to know what the plan is. You can't have a plan and then hope that it plays yeah. out without the players on the field knowing what yeah. the plan is. It almost Moneyball almost reminds me in in a lot of ways of The Martian. Um because just they're and they both subvert their genre expectations yeah. in the exact same way. Um Doing even though the work even though they're different genres. It's yeah, it's they're they're both really more just like character portraits of kind of lonely men. Yeah. Um where you know like you would imagine the Martian to be really balls to the wall. It's about a guy stuck on Mars and it's really just about a guy working on mm -hmm. Mars. Same, same with Moneyball. Yeah, it's, like yeah. trying to you, find some. You don't see the, yeah, you don't see the baseball. We've seen baseball in movies. You know, I yeah. know what that looks like. Also, um, RIP Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. He's just in there, like, as the coach. <laughs> like, I the, can't remember. The He's like an old-timey, an old-timer, right? Like, he likes things the way they used to be in America's yeah. pastime. Yeah, he's just the coach of the <laughs> team, you know, and he likes to coach his team a certain way. Um, I see you have Aaron Sorkin pulled up. He so, did have a pass on the script. Well, no, well, that was what I was going to ask is I know you are a big Steve Jobs head. Right. Do you think that this is the last like great script that he was a part of? Though? He didn't. This is not I wouldn't call this his script. He had a pass. He on has it. a writing credit on it. I guess he had like re, a screen. He rewrote it. it. He didn't wholly like birth this project. You know, this was supposed to be a Soderbergh project. Yep. And he wanted it to be like a half documentary. Yeah, no, Soderbergh. I and then it he got, fell apart. Yeah, he got a. Yeah. Uh, you just make a, a normal fucking. <laughs> God movie, damn, you're really good. I at love it, man. Steven Soderbergh so much. Um, Legend. But yeah, Steve Steve Zalian is that how we say? Yeah, it? Steve yeah. Zalian. Yeah, who's like an insane, you know, very uh, productive Oscar, you know, worth the Irishman uh, recently. So. Uh, big big writers attached to this bad boy. Yeah, love Moneyball. Check it out if um, you haven't. Do just real quick. I just had the Wikipedia pulled up for draft day because I just <laughs> it's draft the we're dating ourselves, but the NFL draft starts tomorrow, and I had to look it up because I couldn't remember. So after trading out their picks, um, they then like make oh, a ridiculous no. offer uh, back to move up to trade with the Jaguars to get up to the number seven pick. And they draft a linebacker number one overall. And you're like, well, at least they'll like think smart and efficiently. Number seven overall pick, running back. Ray Jennings. These, out are, the, of Florida these State. are the two least analytically Just driven choices. Yeah, you, could you don't ever do make that. And this GM sports. does get fired after one year. <laughs> no okay. doubt. I'm sorry, Kevin Costner, you're not making it. These um, are like these are Jaguars choices. There's yeah. definitely um <laughs> it's funny, the Griffin Newman character would just take his job now as like the nerdy intern uh guy He's who does analytics. <laughs> He's just like, just take over. Uh, here's you know, your coffee, sir. Uh, by the way, you're making a mistake. <laughs> Speaking of making a mistake. Uh, it's possible that we should have covered a movie that I, I saw um, last week on our Robin series called Moscow on the Hudson. Uh, it is an 80s movie starring Robin Williams. So it would have been like one of the first ones we would have covered uh, late last year, 1984. So just four years after Popeye, he makes mm. this movie. And it's kind of like the terminal a little bit, but it, you know, uh, uh, a esteemed American actor 
plays a bumbling Eastern European sick in America. <laughs> um, it's, it's very different than the terminal in the sense that like, obviously he's not stuck in one place the not entire in the, time in the airport. And also the entire first act of the movie is before he comes to the United States. So our guy, Robin is like in Russia in the Soviet Union. His name is Vladimir Ivanov. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the most fake Irish name or fake uh, um, Russian name you could possibly think so, of. So Robin is like putting in work as like a legit Russian <laughs> through the bulk of this movie. Is he speaking Russian? Yeah. I'm yeah. Like, <sighs> yeah. And he plays the saxophone, <laughs> which blew my mind because there's extensive sequences of him playing the saxophone shirtless, full <laughs> chest hair mode, Hell playing the yeah. saxophone. I was like, damn, we should have covered this. I wouldn't call it a great movie. It, it hasn't aged super well in a lot of ways. It has like that Reaganism of like mm. America can save the Soviet people through the power of consumerism. Oh boy. I bet that's capitalism. aged great in today's so, uh, climate. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's kind of tough in that way. I will say it co-stars, um, Maria Conchita Alonso mm -hmm. of vampires kiss mm -hmm. fame. Oh, nice. And, uh, she unfortunately does not, escape the runtime of this movie without being uh assaulted once well, again after the, the event robin robin wanted I, them to cast patricia arquette in that role <laughs> and so and unfortunately he did have to have hot yogurt the, on his feet the, what 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 uh alonso has woman, to endure God, in vampire's kiss is egregious if you cast uh, any lady who was in a movie in the 80s like her role was just like assault victim well i can't believe that this happened to this not, poor woman twice in two different movies it's in not the series nearly as bad here as it is in vampire's kiss i think the, the worst of it was here, it robin yeah so so the worst of it is robin basically the plot of this movie is Robin Williams plays a saxophonist who plays for a traveling Russian circus that wants to defect to the United States when he comes here to perform in his circus. And there's a sequence in a, uh, I believe it is a Bloomingdale's in which he is escaping his Soviet caretakers and he hides under Maria Alonso's skirt. <laughs> cool. Cool. That's, that's <laughs> sick. Um, she's like, a you know, like, um, and a, a salesperson, a, a makeup type salesperson at the Bloomingdale's. Uh, and the, it's kind of cute. They kind of fall in love. They kind of have like a little love story. So it's not an essential Robin movie, but <laughs> I'm thinking I kind of want to fill in a lot of the blanks of a lot of the stuff we're skipping. And I figured I, I'd give this a shot. It also co-stars Elia Baskin, who plays the the landlord in Spider-Man two and three that oh, asked Toby for nice. rent. Yeah. 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 That that he, guy. Yeah. He's like Robin's best friend that inspires him to defect. Cause he wants to defect first. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a cute little movie. I think if you are, you know, the type of, um, of person who just, just wants an uplifting tale about the, the trials and tribulations of an Eastern European, uh, in these dark times check it out yeah definitely a lot of people are looking for that these <laughs> days i do see it they actually filmed in munich and stuff so that's cool they like went to went to europe 
capture that Eastern European vibe. Right. That's cool. Um, where'd you watch that? Was this on a? It's on Max? HBO Max. Mm. Yep. Nice. Um, so yeah, check it out. It's called Moscow on the Hudson. I think it's also um, one of the first times in which people saw Robin in like a really really non wacky role. I think in terms of our series. So this is like he plays it pretty straight. Yeah. Throughout. Oh, OK. Yeah. How yeah, many yeah. Robins would you give it? Like a four. What's the biggest Robinism? We're just going to do this now since we ain't covered. Sa- shirtless um, saxophone. OK, nice. All right, cool. Yeah. Where would Nick Cage fit in the story? Saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, getting played like a little fiddle. I, I hate to see him go, but the the friend. Oh, OK. Uh, cool. uh, yeah. The rent guy. Um, Cage, OK. Cage could play that role. Yeah. Not in 84, but. Uh, okay, real quick, two newer movies that I saw. Um, come on, come on, the Joaquin Phoenix uh, movie, um, in which he plays a uncle. Beer break. <laughs> All right, it's a beer break time. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's let's. Hey, slip me one. Slip me one. Um, I mean, we 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 talked about maybe doing an episode on this movie a while back, and yeah. it just kind of got lost in it, the shuffle. It was kind of it. Thank it's you, one sir. of those movies that did get like negatively affected by COVID releases and stuff like that, where it was already going to be a slower release, and then there was kind of a backload of movies that all got dumped at the end yeah. of last year, and so it was in theaters. And then one day I was like, "Oh, cool! I think I'm gonna go see Come On, Come On today." And it was like, "Oh, it's no, gone. You, you can't. No, it actually just left. It you played cannot. in theaters for three days, and now it's gone. So now it's on yeah. streaming. It's actually on Showtime. So if you have a Showtime subscription, it's just sitting on there. So that's how I watched it. I just threw on Showtime, and and it was there, and I was blown away mm-hmm. by this movie, guys. I'd never seen a Mike Mills movie before. Uh, he did 20th Century Women and Beginners. Beginners Rules. I love that movie. Yeah, I, um, I want to check both of them out now because this movie rocked me. Like It's, it's on Hulu Premium. Yeah, with Showtime. Oh, with yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this kid, Woody Norman, he, it's this little boy, Joaquin's nephew in this movie. Joaquin basically p- plays like an NPR uh, interviewer type who's going around interviewing kids about what they think the future holds for them what they think about you know the world that they're inheriting and all those interviews are real kids they're not getting actors so you get to see actual responses of real kids that that he's interviewing in character so that's a great part of the movie and uh along the the way as he's going through all these american cities um doing his his thing he stops by la where his sister lives played by gabby hoffman and she's like I am dealing with a mentally ill husband played by Scoot Alert. Oh, put on the Scoot, scoot Alarm. Alert. Yeah. Alert. Scoot Did someone alarm. say mentally ill? <laughs> scoot, Scoot. It's Scoot, baby. Chugga, scoot chugga, McNary. Chugga, 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 scoot, uh, Scoot. She has to help um, her, I guess, ex-husband at this point. It's not really stated. You, you it's You're kind of led to believe that like their marriage is not really working out. Uh, but she has to help him like deal with his with his sickness and check into rehab and she can't take care of the kid so she's like brother please help me out take care of this kid it's only going to be for a couple days turns out it's more for a couple days so he has to take him along to all these other cities that he has to go to including new york city and it is such a soft touching tender movie 
that just filled me with like such warmth, but it's also like really deep and uh, just kind of layered and makes you think about so many different things. It had me thinking a lot about like how I might be as a parent, you know, how I might take care of a kid. Cause that's the, the situation that Joaquin's character finds himself in is he has to suddenly be a dad mm -hmm. to this kid because his parents are dealing with a very stressful situation. Uh, and now he just has to like be fully responsible for this small child. And the way they handle that, the way they deal with that was so perfect. So, so perfect. The way you want to sometimes fucking strangle the fucking kid. Like you, <laughs> you, you can see why people saw like the whites of your eyes there. And it's Jesus. You can see why people like used to beat kids. Right. <laughs> and, and the thing that this movie gets to is like, that's the easy thing. The easy thing to do is to give in to the to the rage, to give in to uh, that idea of just like settling for the just the carnal satisfaction just, that, exactly. that just, you Ernest would get the, from child. The hard the hard thing is to show kindness to be a parent. Yep. Yeah. To, if to you're take a kid, a moment, you're doing that shit for yourself. Well, th that's you not you what you ain't doing that shit for the for the kids. That's sake. not what happens in this movie. I'm just saying that like. We've I, <laughs> we've been led we've been conditioned to 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 think a certain way about like how to handle a child that is acting out essentially a stinker right like the the society has like throughout generations said that if a kid is acting a certain way this is how you deal with them to make them stop and in a lot of ways we've need we've had to unlearn that. And understand that, like, the harder thing to do, the more complicated thing to do that you should do is to treat that child like a person, like mm -hmm. a human being. And to, like, take a breather, slow down, and approach it with kindness and yeah. and and just level with them and talk to them. I, I will say that is a good life hack for anyone who says, uh, oh, I don't I don't I just don't like kids. If you simply talk to them as if they're an adult and just like laugh at how insane the shit that they're saying would be if they were an adult, yeah, that's more respect than they get from anyone else. Yeah, right. Even yeah, if you're laughing good. at them, that was uh, a good save. That, that's how you too, talk to kids. Uh, to how that's how everything was starting there. I really did not know where you were going, and I was wondering. This movie did not sound very wholesome the way so, that you were setting that up. No, no, no. It, um, the, the point that I was trying to make is that like <laughs> the way this kid acts. Stop, you're like stop making if him. Talk. I was Joaquin. I, beat his ass bloody i'd take my little belt off um, um so, so I is do, this is this the best uncle movie this is top tier uncle movie mm, uncle top cinema uncle, yeah. Great, uncle yeah. incredible uncle cinema especially because like joaquin is amazing he's yeah. a, he's, he's perfect dude and he is doing something so small and nuanced here you know, so opposite of all the things that he's known for, like Joker or Master or anything like that. This is very quiet, very small. It's like her. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. Being, it's being it's a kind soft, of a return soft, to nice man. Yes. He's so good at playing like sensitive and it's just something very that sensitive. most people don't really cast him to play sensitive. But God, he's so yeah, good. At and it, he doesn't look sensitive. Right. Right. <laughs> he looks scary. He looks horrifying. And it just it just had me in my feels just thinking about like, you know, how how much we lose as we grow up 
Mm-hmm. And when you're a kid, you can't shut the fuck up about anything because everything is incredible. Mm-hmm. You're curious about everything. And you're so annoying asking so many questions <laughs> about everything. And you like all the adults want you to shut the fuck up for a second. <laughs> but the fact is that like as adults, we lose a lot of curiosity mm-hmm. and we lose a lot of just general excitement mm-hmm. about life. And, and there's a reason why kids are so like incessant, incessant sometimes because everything is fascinating to them. Right. Everything and, you're experiencing for the first time. Yeah. And, and as an adult, it's really hard sometimes to sympathize with that because we're so jaded. We're so like mm-hmm. beaten down by life. And what this movie does is it like kind of in a, in a gentle way forces you to rekindle your inner child and find that way, way buried, buried deep inside of you, that curiosity and that excitement about life. Um, and also that fear of the unknown too, mm-hmm. because this kid doesn't know why his mom isn't there. He doesn't really know why he has to hang out with his uncle where's, for this where's prolonged. Where's my scoot? Right. Where's yeah. my scoot? Uncle, I, where's my scoot? So I do have an important question. Looking in Wikipedia here, there's only six people listed in the main cast. How much scoot are we getting here? Um, not very much at all. I'd say and most of it is like in kind of montage. But is it enough scoot? Do you see it and you're like, eh, I think I'm, I've, had, I've I, had my scoot, Phil. I've hit my scoot I, quota. I, I, I got kind of a half chub, you know? I was like, yeah. I got my scoot. Okay. You, know, you had a I little didn't... more, but like, you know. Yeah, um, what about like a I half, see, like a half hog? I know? see Jabuki's in here. What is what is he doing? Does he, he plays? Have yeah, he plays role? like one of the like assistants to the NPR assistants. I'm just to happy Joaquin. seeing Jabuki in yeah. movies. Yeah, he has like one happy. little moment where he gets to like bond with the kid with Woody Norman. I, I'm telling you guys, this kid, he is fucking incredible. There was, Mind I remember blowing. when Come On, Come On came out and it kind of, I guess it was, from what you're saying, a little bit too soft to actually garner the awards attention that people might have thought it had. But I remember right around Telluride, whenever this came out, there was buzz about this kid maybe getting like a sneaky supporting actor nomination because he yeah. was that good. This movie kind of just, movies like this don't get awards love cuz they're too quiet and sweet and are trying to like send a message. Yeah. I loved it. Check it out. It's come on, come on. It's on Showtime right now. Yeah. Don't don't expect a, a Von Bondi's biopic. It's not what you're going to watch, okay? No. <laughs> and the the moment when you figure out why it's called that is such a nice moment that just put a smile on my face. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really highly recommend it. Again, it got buried, but I think that it's it's worth uh, checking out. Uh, another movie I saw is called After Yang. It's directed by Kogonada. Um, I don't know if this one I can recommend as much. It's very niche. It's like a it's like a sci-fi movie about a robot that uh, is kind of like a caretaker for this family, and the robot breaks down, and the story's about like this guy played by Colin Farrell, trying to fix the robot and sort of uncovering uh, a lot about the both the robot and himself and his family along the way. This is this is uh, 
speaking of her, this is a movie where every production still uh, got a lot of hype on like film Twitter because it had a very it's gorgeous. Well, and uh, like just like a very good um, soft sci-fi future aesthetic. Yeah. Like the you know it the, has the, the ex machina thing. The production design is very cool. Um, mm-hmm. Everything looks neat. And yeah, nice. I I don't think I love this movie. I I loved how it looks. It looks stunning. There's an incredible opening dance number that just watch, just watch the opening dance number. Like that alone is worth watching because it is fucking phenomenal. The movie as a whole, I think, I don't know. I try to watch Kogonata's other movie called Columbus and it just put me to sleep. Oh, really? I really liked Columbus back in like 2017, whenever it came out. It was a movie that I kind of admired more than I loved, admittedly. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about this. I did really like it was a movie that did kind of keep me thinking. It's I mean, similar in just themes of like kind of um, or like similar tone and look to what I've seen in After Yang. Yeah, I I think if you if you're into very kind of slow, kind of almost detached kind of sci-fi tales that focus more on like overall vibe rather than like a propulsive narrative, then you might enjoy this. Um I thought it was it was good. I liked it. I it, it was nice for like the night that I put it on where I was kind of winding down and it was kind of like a more of a mood to to settle into. Um but it didn't it didn't grip me, you know, it didn't, you know, like, come on, come on, like emotionally like had me mm-hmm. this. This did not, unfortunately. But I like that, you know, Colin Farrell is is doing smaller little movies like this. And it does have a lot of themes on its mind. It's not like it's just visuals. The, the the story does have some themes okay. about visuals and themes. Yeah, about <laughs> about kind of like a relationship to our own memories well, and what, like how we view so, ourselves. So it's it's just a little bit too uh terse. Like it's a little bit too loosely bound for you. Yeah, yeah, like like it's just I don't know. There's something about it that is just like a little bit kind of on ambient or something. I don't mm, even know. Just it's like, tough to put words to it. It's yeah. just like too chill. It's like a little too chill. It's like too detached. Sci-fi. Yeah, like someone needs to um, like freak out or something. <laughs> so I did want to ask you because so after Yang, like how was the music in After Yang? Because Ryuichi, okay. Ryuichi Sakamoto is one of he co-composes this uh, with a guy, Asuka Matsumira. Matsumiya. So like uh, I said, the, the opening dance number, the song in that is incredible. I think that it says that he did opening themes. So I wonder if that's what he did. Ryuichi Sakamoto is my favorite film composer of all time. Um, he did like Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, which I think is the greatest piece of like musical composition ever used in film. Um, also did the last emperor score that he won an Oscar with David Bowie. Oh, wow. Um, he is absolutely a legend. I listened to Ryuichi Sakamoto, like on, a monthly basis or so like all the time whenever i'm working uh there's also a, a closing credits track featuring uh mitski so Ooh. between Ooh. this and everything everywhere she's having mitski, a mitski blowing up yeah she has yeah. a bit of a moment mitski really really weird shit goes on with i mitski. love the new album her she mm. has one of the strangest fan bases i've ever seen uh, like a, a one-time fledgling indie artist have yeah. like the amount of of hate in that fan base is really bizarre <laughs> against who um just like everyone just the amount of uh, it's weird they go after other people they go after mitski like it's really but it's she's just like a very good 
That's like bizarre. Yeah, like a yeah. uh, heavy indie artist. I like her. So that's after Yang. Um, I believe that is also on Showtime because it's also A24. Apparently, since COVID, A24 has made a deal with Showtime because I thought they had a deal with Apple TV. So I don't know. They're kind of they um, also like of most around. of their stuff is just on Canopy. Too, right. So like, yeah. I don't really know. The back catalog, they have. Well, now I'm, they have their the own. Stuff. They just launched today an A24 um, subscription. What? Are you guys yeah, going to sign up for the not, A24 sub? That doesn't include any movies, though. What? What does it include? Um, It includes, like, discounts merch. to merch. Yeah. Like, yeah, hey, some no. free shit. Some, the zines. Like, candles and um, shit. Yeah. I, I honestly, I, I don't really know what I really includes. just... All I want is... I want the Uncut Gems basketball. It gives me... <laughs> so bad. I think it does have some stuff that's, like, coming out of the archives. And boy, oh, boy, if they brought that back, like, Honey, I'm ready. I'm ready we, to go all in on we it. All, everything that they made for Uncut Gems is so cool. We yeah. have room for the lighthouse from the lighthouse right here. There is there is enough yeah. space right here. Yeah, Can we, people don't know. They, from that, the wall. that thing was only, like, like six feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I mean, well, maybe we could buy it back. I know it's sold in auction for, I think, $90,000 or so. But, like, if we just don't live mm -hmm. for, like, a year. Are they well, selling? We have to li we'd have to live in it. Well, <laughs> we would we have to take out a home loan we would for the live lighthouse. No, no, no. Like, no, it's just the light. It was just the light. It wasn't the full lighthouse. Oh, not the just, house. Yeah, it was right, just, right, right. The, just the light the, itself. The lantern. The lantern. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Are they selling a scale replica of Simon Rex's penis from Red Rocket? His Red um, Rocket. I'll double. I'll do one hundred eighty thousand for that. Okay, you'll outbid yeah. whoever happens yeah, yeah. to own it. I will start the bidding myself at five million dollars. Simon Rex, come on the show. Come on the show. Let us Simon, know. Simon, you're welcome. Yeah, uh, we'll do a live casting. <laughs> I, I'll be honest. Also, a twenty four obviously rules hard. Um, and they're way ahead of the game in terms of cool merch. If I were to see uh, anyone wearing like an A24, like North Face style core zip, I would beat them up. <laughs> <laughs> there's some stuff that is kind of fun, but there's other things where it's like it like is is it would just be weird if somebody just had like an A24 hat that they were just yeah. like wearing. It'd be weird if somebody like had that. like an ambulance hat. It, well, no, that no, <laughs> no, I actually think actually, if I saw them. <laughs> I would be like, yo, dude, can I like, can I like fuck you right wearing, now or um, something? Like wearing a USC like ball cap as ambulance merch. <laughs> yeah. um, that's coming on the next podcast for the listeners. They'll see. Uh, Do you have it yet? Dude, Is yeah, it? Don't, shit? don't spoil it. Okay. I, guys, I'm scared about how much pussy I'm getting with my ambulance hat. <laughs> I know. It's it's the, frightening. Yeah, all your cats are all over Yeah, you. they're just... The, the thing with wearing like an A24 hat or something is it's a cool cultural signifier if you're not in a cool city. You know what I mean? Because... If you're in with like a certain circle, you don't need like people yeah. can just kind of look at like your whole vibe and be like, yeah, this guy likes A24 movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if someone in Portland was wearing that, they would get like yeah. eggs thrown at them. Right. Well, like they would get like chick on thrown at them or yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I there's you should have you should have told me that when I went to Portland wearing my Weinstein company hat. Yeah. What's the worst? That, well, I guess that was, no, so that, I think that was funny. That though. answers the question is I was <laughs> going to say, you. what's the worst uh, studio to just rock merch for? But that's it. It's the Weinstein <laughs> Company. Um, anything. Miramax. Even Miramax is just <laughs> yeah. it's off the table now at this point, unfortunately. Um, OK, let's get to some TV catch up. All right. I have um, while you're while you're doing that, I'm going to be Googling Jerry Bruckheimer merch. <laughs> Dude, the, isn't it the tree with the lightning bolt hitting it? 
I know. Wait, because I know Adam and Kira have talked about how like that is Z Cannon is the Jerry Bruckheimer Productions logo. There is a a Jerry Bruckheimer store. Okay. Uh, Wait, there's a Jerry Bruckheimer store. Oh my God, Jesus Christ! (laughs) Go ahead and talk about. uh, Um, So I have three quick recommendations on HBO Max right now um, that I love. Number one, Minx, uh, super under the radar show, stars our boy Jake Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, as a pornographer, essentially, he's a publisher of nudie mags in 1970s, uh, San Fernando Valley, you know, kind of boogie nights ish, but the, the publication side of, of boogie nights, <laughs> you know, the print side uh, of yeah. boogie nights, the this is basically boogie nights, but like print reading, you know? it, reading it for the article. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, um, it's a really fascinating show because it has a, a female gaze to it. Uh, it's told from the perspective of a woman who wants to do a feminist magazine. And she figures out that the only way she can get this feminist magazine published is as a porno <laughs> magazine that has dicks in it. Very cool. So there's a lot of dicks in this show. So do not watch it uh, with your 90-year-old grandma unless... This is exactly what she wants to see. Maybe your ideal She's grandma wants grandma. to see a lot of dicks. Yeah. I don't know. Um, just, just, you know, be aware. Um, but I found it fascinating. You know, I think this is, it's not based on a true story, but it is based on some kind of truth of, you know, the birth of the, the female oriented uh, porno mags. Uh, and also, you know, gay men were obviously also into this same kind of magazine. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it. Check it out. It has great performances, short, breezy half hour episodes, really funny, really, um, just kind of a good, uh, easy sit, you know, not a big ask unless a big ask is a big dick in the middle of the frame. (laughs) Not a big Um, ask. (laughs) Uh, our flag means death is also on HBO Max, uh, co-produced by Taika Waititi. I watched the first app, and it rolls hard. It's, I honestly didn't love it at first. Really? It took I'd, me a couple eps. I just, I'm I'm into the vibe of it. Like, I, I kind of like it's, I mean, it, you've seen more of it than I have, so you can speak on this, but because I was kind of worried that it was just going to try to redo, like, we are what we do in the shadows, but pirate. Exactly. And it's not that. But it's something different. it that. leans into the queer undertones so much more than what we do in the shadows because what we do in the shadows i think because maybe it airs on cable on fx they maybe have more notes on that kind of stuff um well it's not like fx are, i don't I mean, know maybe. fx makes it atlanta you know yeah i don't i That's, don't know if it's that like i think that, I think that just, just isn't the aim of that show right you it's know? more of like they have orgies with each other because they're eternal beings but like <laughs> like they're bored by cis oh my god yeah point. i forgot like, about they the just, orgy episode. no they have they literally have an orgy episode so i don't think that's a well, problem i think it's more that they like they don't care about like actual like the the thing i love about our flag means death and i i wish they would have made a bigger deal uh about this when actually promoting the show is that this is a full-on like gay story it's like a gay love story i had no idea Mm -hmm. and i didn't know that going in and it honestly doesn't reveal that until probably halfway through the season it's something that like if you're paying close attention you pick up on more and more undertone specifically with some of the 
kind of secondary characters. But as it really gets going, the central storyline is a full-on gay romance. And I, I appreciate them trying to maybe hide that a little bit so it becomes like this surprise that you uncover as the show goes on. But I feel like this show would have hooked more people mm-hmm. if it sold what it actually was, is. Yeah, to be honest, that's sort of something that you sell now in yeah. a show. Like yeah. that's that's part of a good pitch now. You don't have to sneak it yeah. in anymore. A pirate gay love story? Like, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. And they do such a good job with it because they populate this world with all these little characters that all have their own little journeys that they go on and each one of them has some kind of queerness to it it's a full-on queer gay pirate fest this show and the dog seems to love that i i I think he's a big big fan fan. um so he he likes the story he's not nothing to do with (laughs) i hope that this show gets picked up for a second season because there's definitely still more they can do here. Um, Taika Waititi is in the show yeah. as uh, Captain Blackbeard. Um, and I enjoy the hell out of it. I, I don't oh. know with this whole uh, buddy. Warner Brothers Discovery shakeup. I don't know if it's going to get picked up for season two. I'm kind of like I mean, on the edge of my seat to see. It does seem it's not. It definitely doesn't. It hasn't reached as full of an audience as it's capable of reaching but i mean i have not heard a single negative thing about it it feels like people who are discovering the show are loving it it's just about if hbo is doing enough a good enough job um advertising for it or is winning time kind of the hbo comedy that's sucking up all the oxygen in the room with like all the controversy and everything else around it well, that's a good segue because that's the third show okay, I want. I'm also I'm also going to I'm going to interrupt you. your segue, which is unprecedented. But remember the segue and just act like I'm not. <laughs> um, I have really bad news. I was about to hit order on a Jerry Bruckheimer film shirt. I put in all my information. Um, How much money were you? Well, it was only twenty five. Shipping minimum is fifteen dollars. Uh, not going to spend that. Sorry, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely going directly to Jerry Bruckheimer. <laughs> What it, what was the shirt that you were going to buy? It literally just says Jerry Brokheimer Films and it has the lightning in the tree. I was I was like I was done. That's, that's the shirt. I was done ordering it, but then it, it was like, by the way, shipping is fifteen dollars. Like, Fuck you. Fifteen dollars Fuck off with of that. I know. Fucking Absolutely. Jerry. They also have a yeah. scarf uh that has the same thing on it. They Book have- of Secrets wasn't enough, Jerry. <laughs> I know he's so loaded and he's charging me 15 <laughs> smackers. I want to find, I know that apparently there was a thing circle like 2009. I tried to do some searching for it and see, apparently there was a sweater you could buy uh, for the movie G force oh that actually had like the poster of it. And I've tried to do digging and I cannot find it anywhere. I think that like they just burned. We all could copies. get an, a uh, Jerry Bruckheimer autograph for a hundred dollars. Oh, on Etsy. Is, is that, is that real? Are we sure that that's real and somebody didn't just photocopy it? No, I know exactly what his signature looks like. That's yeah, it. like that's <laughs> sure that's for hundred. Yeah, I don't even know if that's I'm Jerry Bruckheimer's head. face on the headshot. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what he looks like. <laughs> he has he has a, a Jerry he hey, has a Jerry look. Speaking of uh, maybe fudging whether something like trying to fudge the lines between what's real and what's made up. 
Speaking of Jerry's, oh, Jerry West okay, and Jerry okay. Bus. Oh, yeah, we got two, two main man, characters. Everyone used to be named Jerry. Man, <laughs> on those were the days. Winning time. So you guys still haven't watched this? No, show, right? I I need to okay. so bad. This is like at the top of my list, but I'm trying to binge through uh, Better Call Saul. So I uh, oh. I definitely no, I, stick with that because Better Call Saul is back and it's fucking amazing. I'm having a blast right now. It's, yeah. So <laughs> I every time I watch an episode of Better Call Saul, I have a list of like every show I'm watching this year and I put Better Call Saul number one and then I watch an episode of Atlanta and I'm like, nope, Atlanta's number one. Mm-hmm. And then I watch Better Call Saul and I'm like, nope. So I'm like flipping between, <laughs> between these two. The two. But winning time. Um, uh, watch this show, guys. I am so curious to hear what you guys think because you guys are the sports boys on here. And I'm so fascinated to hear what you think because I'm enjoying this show more, I think, because I'm not a sports person. Yeah. I think that in a, in a weird way, this show is made specifically for people like me that are like kind of familiar with sports but not enough to be like hey that's not how that that's works that's not how this game happened <laughs> that's well that's the thing that's like interesting about this and again i'm speaking as somebody who has not actually watched the show yet but somebody who is familiar with the showtime lakers and like with this era of basketball to begin yeah. with Magic and it's one Johnson. thing when you're dramatizing like jerry bus out here being a sex hound and just like <laughs> everybody doing cocaine and everything else like that but they're also like changing the outcomes of games, which that's where it's like it's this weird line where it's like, well, that's you can't just I don't, I don't know. It's like trying to tell the story of the Lakers without actually yeah. like telling See, even like somewhat real of the story. Like this isn't fudging some lines about how much of a party boy this guy was. It's like the, the, the actually the Lakers did yeah. not win this championship or something like that. Where it's No, like, it's that's not. Insane. It's not to that degree. It, they're fudging like. Li- not they're not changing who won a game they're changing like smaller things like, like how the score. someone did yeah yeah the score or certain place honestly yeah. i i don't care right that's what i was gonna I'd say rather, I i'd rather i'd rather that care. than them do like a fucking chazelle like first man like no it has to all be right i no it doesn't I, it's a, it's don't you it's make a show make it up not a documentary name out of your fucking mouth I, right Hunter, now, I found okay? something I'm going to buy for you. I know. I looked over <laughs> at your laptop and I see a Pearl Harbor poster. <laughs> Autographed by Jerry Bruckheimer. Yo! It's only $140. I would not we, pay anything over $50. Should for we that. do this? Are you fucking studio? kidding me? <laughs> I could DM them and ask. Can we haggle? Can we I'm sure. haggle this down? I'm sure. Yes, this this listing has been up for uh, 47 years on, yeah. on Etsy. It's, yeah, it's been, it's up, been since, up since, since Pearl Harbor. Woo! <laughs> oh my god. Um, but yeah, winning time's great. I'm really curious to see what you guys think. This cast is so stacked. I, like the cast is insane. I it's cannot stupid. believe. That the cast alone isn't making this show bigger. John C. Riley, Gabby Hoffman, Jason Clark, Adrian Brody, Jason Siegel, Tracy Letts, Jillian Jacobs, like Sally Field. It's hey, it's fucking nuts the people that they got for this. Guys, Adrian Brody as Pat Riley mm. is 
a revelation. Honestly, incredible casting based on his face shape. Um, <laughs> Pat Riley has like a very long, very yeah. uh, defined cheekbones and defined like jawline. And Adrian Brody is yeah. the guy to cast as like a young Hollywood version with, of that. With such a sprawling cast, what happens is that like episode to episode, you don't really know who the spotlight is going to be on. So, uh, an entire episode will go by without you seeing John C. Riley at all. And it'll all be a, about magic and Kareem who, by the way, are kind of the reason why I keep watching this show. Mm -hmm. Aside from all the star power is these two guys, Quincy Isaiah and Solomon Hughes, these two guys that they found to play magic and Kareem. Incredible. Yeah. Like how difficult must it be to find two guys that you buy as Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, like fully as players, as people, mm. as icons. Especially Kareem. Like, that's a complicated character. Like, yeah. I'm sure that they're getting into it a little bit. But Kareem is just like one of the most important figures in sports history. One of the most just for what one of the most intelligent the people to ever play sports. Yeah. He's he's such a uh, well-spoken, like uh, thought out man. Big fan of that guy. I, I mentioned last time you brought up Winning Time that it would be really hard just to cast Magic because Magic was more charismatic than a movie star when Dude, in they, the 80s. He they was, nailed it. With he this was guy. a movie but, star. Yeah. This guy is phenomenal. This guy mm -hmm. needs to be a star. He is incredible. Like, I, I don't understand how they did it. The casting must have been egregious. Like, the whole process must have been hell. But whatever they did to arrive at it, they nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Also, they got this guy called Sean Patrick Small to play Larry Bird, and I'm really enjoying him. Should have got Nick Kroll. It was supposed to be <laughs> Bo Burnham. I know. And Whoa, yeah, that's... and he had to drop out because I don't even know what he's got because going on. Because that's like he had to easily the least important thing he's doing um, is playing yeah. a role in someone I'm, else's I'm honestly is he glad. Like, is Sean Patrick Harris like or is Sean Patrick Small like a like significant character in the story? I think he's going to be in these next few episodes that are coming up. Because last week he was pretty big and the week before that was I think when he was introduced. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't actually come in until like maybe mm. episode five or something. Hey, by the way, Gabby Hoffman, yet again. Yeah. Transparent pride. Me and uh, me and you loved Transparent. And Gabby oh, Hoffman yeah. was one of the best parts of it, of like a one of the best ensembles I've ever seen yeah. on, on TV. So good she, on her. Yeah, she was in. She um, deserves the blow up. You especially love like it, the main portrayal, right? The lead performance. Yes. Um of what? Because I don't think there is a true lead in that show. Of transparent. Oh, of <laughs> oh, what's just gonna just, just gonna leave that out there. Um, no, yeah, I'm really excited to watch Winning, winning Time. It's it's like high up on the yeah. list to to catch up on. I I would love to do a full ep, just like um, we did for Severance of this show of Winning Time. So, uh, check it out. That's on HBO Max. Uh, last thing. Uh, we want to get into, I, I guess, last two things. We want to talk real quick about Survivor. So we did a episode of season 41, um, which I think we're, we're going to do another one once the season wraps up. But we haven't talked yet about season 42. So how are we feeling about this cast? Um, we're already at the merge, which mm -hmm. I think is when you actually get a sense of how you feel. In my opinion, the merge is like when you can actually be like, this is actually how I feel about this cast. Mm -hmm. It's when you get yeah. a sense of like, 
all the players on the board and who's really well so i'm only you're gonna be invested. i'm only one episode into the merge uh so i'm not all the way caught up that said this i mean this is the central issue of survivor is that the show gets a lot better post-merge mm-hmm. um and this yeah the first post-merge episode was just like electric um that's so i mean that kind of keys off into something that starting out this season I definitely wasn't as hot on this cast and compared to 41, I was just kind of like, uh, I don't know, like it felt like it was, I don't know, kind of like spinning the wheels a little bit as far as like, oh, we're doing the same thing again with the flashbacks and we're going to walk up the mountain to like learn about each other and bond. And it kind of felt like we were treading over old ground and there wasn't as electric a character in 42 as Shan. However, until Daniel Strunk, (laughs) (laughs) I will say that I think that 42 actually has the potential to be better than 41 because we're kind of doing more of a well-rounded group. Well, we're doing the thing that I always love in Survivor and rarely happens where we're getting to the merge with all the best, like all my favorite players are still on the board. Right. And that's exactly what you want in a game is that it's coming down to just like all of our friends, except for Daniel. What about Daniel? Um, Except for Daniel. Dude, that guy, he dug his own grave. He literally might be the worst survivor (laughs) player I've ever seen One of the dumbest idiots of all time. When you think, when you you survive childhood leukemia, when you consider the fact that he could not do physical challenges because my guy threw out his shoulder on the first day that he he separated his shoulder. So he he literally could not do anything physically. And then it was just the worst was also, social game. Was also stupid. Yeah. The <laughs> worst social game I've ever seen. No, nothing going as had way. like the single worst episode, like moment to moment that I think I've ever seen. In I, my life. I loved um, it. I loved the hell. It was out incredible. Of it. So but, wish we got more of it. But you're right. The cast, the cast gets stronger with time. Um, I, I, the gimmicks are still really annoying it's to me. Tough, it's yeah. not, it's just not what they think it is. It's not a reset. It's not really changing much. The, I say this because I recently watched season 37 and season, I think it's 37. Season 37 is incredible. It's, it's better than 41. Like it is, it's like almost a perfect season of survivor. Um, it also features Mike white, uh, David versus Goliath. Yes. It features Mike white, creator of white Lotus and writer of school of rock. Um, it's, it's phenomenal because the show trusts, the cast and that the problem is you can't always do that on survivor you don't always have a great cast but on that particular season the people you didn't need these these cutaways to their childhood trauma to make them open up episode one all of these people are just like bearing their souls to each other and that is so much more captivating than forcing it and this season is just forcing it a lot of the time. Yeah. Um but I I don't think it's forcing it as much as it was last season. No they I don't know. It's interesting. They've changed. It's, it doesn't feel like that because they've changed when these uh, flashback segments happen. They don't happen when the people are walking up the hill anymore. They just, they happen during uh, an opportune interview segment when someone is actually, which, which I feel, I think is a little more natural. No, it is exactly. It's, it's the right choice because it's, it's, it, it became like a joke in season 41 where we'd be like, oh, great. They're going to the hill. We're going to find yeah. out like who, who, be, you know, who beat them up when they were a kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that that's, you know, you don't want formula in your reality. Yeah. Um, so it is, they did a tweak in the right direction there. The other big tweak they did, which really paid off um, is they still have, 
the um the hourglass thing where you can change the course that of the was game. So However, dumb. what's what's way better this season is that the food is actually Applebee's. <laughs> so that's home. <laughs> I, so that, I that let me, broke me a little dude, bit. Dude, I literally I kept <laughs> rewinding it because I was laughing so I, hard. Yeah, I, Nathan I just, paused it immediately when he said that. I was like, wait, what did he say? That close up of Mike going, everything's I love changed. Applebee's. Everything's <laughs> changed this game. We got Applebee's. Yeah. That's home. It's that's comfort food. He did say that. Jeff said that. Yeah. Well, he was he like, said, well, yeah, it's he home. Well, he was like, this is great because like these people haven't seen season 41, but we are tweaking things to make the decision even harder for the person with the alga. Number one, the food's Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> that's the number one thing that's changed is that this year, this time it is Applebee's. It, that, it really, it really I, hurt to see Jeff have to do that. They they used to do that a lot. Oh, they used to do that all the um, time. And then it just got to like, here's a mound of frozen pizza. Yeah, which um, is better. But it was like, it used to be like in the, in the, like the mid Welcome to the Charmin bathroom. The, there was, it have. wasn't even a bathroom. One time there was a Charmin coffee house. Yeah, that's, that's that what they it got is. to yeah. like have coffee and, and nice. brownies at. And the, yeah, they would always, you know, you guys are going to have an, the new cocktail from Outback Steakhouse today. no. Um, so but that, the funniest so, ones I haven't seen that since the funniest like ones are just like and guess what you're going to be able after if you win this challenge you'll get to call your family on the new Motorola Razor yeah um, like this, wait 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 wait, wait. international that plan. that cocktail definitely had alcohol in it right yeah, yeah so for sure after like two weeks these people are island. getting lit They're up. off of one margarita yeah yeah that was a fat margarita <laughs> <You, too. you laughs> they're getting lit <laughs> if you have, yeah if you have one you're you're getting fucked unless you're my guy Jonathan, who I know Jonathan will not win this season. Um, he's got to make it to the end though. But right? dear, I mean, I hope he just I hope he wins challenges so that we, he can. Because so we yeah, me and me and Hunter watch a lot of sports. This is as impressive as any performance in a, I, in a sport that I've ever well, seen. Jeff, so, 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 Jeff has a hard on every challenge. He's so, like, I cannot believe the yeah, strength of this man. It's not, it's not normal. So man. okay, let's, it's fucking let's, weird how good this guy is at physical. Feats. Let's back up a second for the listeners, uh, for people who have not watched this uh, this season of Survivor or any Survivor. Um, there's this guy Jonathan who has the world record for I think it's pull ups with a hundred pounds strapped to his something back. like that something yeah. like that something insane he, and he, he so, looks like it as you can imagine his upper arm or his arms and his like neck are insanely his, his muscular. delts his lats are crazy he like i've has been trying no to get neck. lats it's just not um, happening yeah it's so he's just this like insanely jack guy there was one challenge earlier on the season before they got to the merge where it was something that involved them like swimming out to like uh, swimming out into the ocean. Oh, the challenge stuff. that they have to stop. Yeah, and then they have to like pull. They had, they had, to, to, like, they had to pick up a, a really heavy ladder. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, that, yeah, yeah, from like underwater, and it was so a ladder that is designed. It's long enough and it's heavy enough that is designed that it requires multiple yeah, people to the, have the to thing lift is, up. Yeah, but the seas were so um, they were so rough that no one could do this um, on the other team. To the point that eventually they shut down the challenge, but not before Jonathan did it all on his own. Yeah, he literally he is up lifting up the ladder with pounds, one arm, yeah. just lifting it up. He then his teammates are being swept away into the ocean, and he gets them to make a chain and is with one hand holding the ladder and with the other hand like pulling in his tribe mates yeah. with him. He's throwing human yeah. beings like closer to. He's saving them from drowning. <laughs> <laughs> just, 
truly the most insane. And then he gets back onto the island and or back onto the land, and then basically does like the final portion of the challenge too. Like yeah. when anybody else would and, just be completely and they, exhausted. And, and meanwhile, the entire other team couldn't they carry had to that ladder. Stop so the they challenge, which was the first time in the history of the show, which has been and they must have been seasons. trying to for a while to get to the point. Where oh they yeah, have to and it was stop. well, it was just very clear. Like yeah. they're they're going underwater. These people are in, like in danger, and so, he just did it all on his own. So our guy, his name is freak. His name's Jonathan Young. He's 29 years old. He's from Gulf Shores, Alabama. And he has been putting in that kind of performance every single challenge mm -hmm. this whole season. We're going to do a wrap-up episode once the season's done. But I want to know, predictions, who is going to be left at the end? Do you want to predict final three? It's too hard with Survivor. The game has reached a point where I just so there's, gut, there's just two gut people two I people think, who are I my think, favorite I think Chantel and Mike are in Mike is great and you I think actually they're like they're like in it like they're gonna be there at the end I think so Chantel oh I don't I don't think it's Chantel um I think Drea or not not Chantel you're thinking about Drea, Drea. Drea. sorry yeah, yeah Drea yeah. I Drea and Omar are my two favorites right now Drea is just like I don't I'm like scared for Drea with how good she's Drea's doing. the one with all the advantages, she has right? Everything yeah, right that's now. that's who I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. Drea, th the thing is she has she's so good that I think she'll be, get sniffed out. That's um, what I because she's really good. But, but the number playing, of the advantages is, that she have though is that if she does get sniffed out, that doesn't necessarily mean she's gonna get voted I know. out. Well, I, yeah, if she can just make it till the end. And the thing is that unlike Shan, Shan last season was trying to like run everything and was very vocal about how no, she's like like always wearing everything and Dre is just like calmly just chill just like lets that's, everything come to her and correct. it's just kind of is perfectly content with kind of taking the back seat the person who is she's incredible the person who is doing too much um who is smart but is doing way too much is high right yeah now. i love high too but he, he is, is just, but he, to tone it down a he little is bit. yeah you can't be the I one could, i could definitely see him making it to the end though, he did if he i he'd have a great case with the jury he, if he did just yeah. he just lost his closest friend I um it, Romeo? No. Um he, he had a closer ally that he just lost. Uh it well not oh. just lost, but a, a oh, couple of Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Lydia. Yeah. Lydia. Um, um I um I dude, I will say I love Omar. Um what Omar did, I think in the last episode, it was in the Lydia episode, where like just right before tribal, he just convinced everyone to just yeah, completely That was a big vote. that was That's, a big prove it moment. Yeah, but for then me. Mike flipped it back. No, no, no. Omar was just like, no, Omar Lydia, wanted Lydia, Lydia to mention this name and she's out. Like um, he just he I was able to I kind of think, do that. To yeah, take I didn't, control of I didn't everything. think that he was worth much until he, he successfully. Did I like that. him. Also, like he's kind of been smart this whole season. He talked about how like he befriended Jonathan very early. He's like, I'm the meat. He's my meat shield and I'm his brain shield. And we just have <laughs> each other here. I love their their bromance, bromance together. I just yeah. want the two of them to be. I want like the two of them and yeah. Drea at the finals together. That would be insane. Um, I love that. I, I, I'm interested to see how it plays out because I think that last season I could have sworn that uh, Ricard and Shan were both going to be there at the end and yeah. neither of them were. So whoever I point to, it's probably not going to be Also, it. shout out to Mike. I really dismiss Mike love, in the early yeah, of the game. I, really I like just him. because the thing is, he's like one of the oldest players to ever play Survivor, and old people typically do not do well, or they get dragged but, along. And he he looks like he looks rough. One like, he's he looks like, like <laughs> he looks like he was an MMA fighter. Yeah. <laughs> 
He has like cauliflower he, ears. Maybe he was. He, he, was, he, was, was. he was. He was like a. He's like a physical guy. He talks about how he used to like actually like. He was the big guy. Him and Jonathan have like this bonding moment where he's just like, "Yo, we both were always judged for being meatheads." Yeah. Um, Mike but is Mike is friends with everyone. Though. He's very yeah. yeah. No, he's very open. Like, there's an episode in um at one point where like. Uh, he's sitting with Omar while like Omar is Omar, who is uh, Muslim, is like actually worshiping him, worshiping and like kind of talking to him about like his religion, everything else like that. It's something that you just really don't see from older players in Survivor. And he's just yeah. killing it. And I, then I Jonathan love is like, love him because Omar's like, yeah, if you guys ever like have any questions about my faith and everything, that's fine. And then and then Jonathan's like, yeah, man, if you ever have questions about Christianity, like, let me know. I was like, I think I bet you he knows enough. Yeah, I think that just living. In Jonathan's America, a got, little less on the ball socially. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, at least. Uh, all right. Hold on. Marianne. We haven't even brought her up yet. She's so, so incredible TV character. We did like we I did love... um we did a uh, draft for the season after watching the first one, and she was my first overall pick. And it, she talks way too much, man. She needs to be quiet. She won't. So win. that's what I was gonna say um, is that incredible. At least TV. Jonathan is able to to pinpoint the fact that that's a problem. Marion, yeah, because he's Marianne, not he's not tone deaf about the fact that he is annoyed by her. Yeah, he doesn't like her. Right. He doesn't like Marianne. But he's nav he's navigating in a good way because he's yeah. not he's not making it. He's about, not saying like she has to go. Right. Like no, that. he's just yeah. saying like God, will you <laughs> shut the fuck up? She just won't. And it she's getting in her own because she's so bubbly and like likable. But you can tell if you were had to hang out with her exactly. like no choice, you would get so yeah, sick of it. The show is actually doing a really good job because it sets her up as this just like great personality, very bubbly. She's very, very bright smart to too. be she's around. Brilliant. Very yeah, really smart. That's why I and then there's her, man. one I'm fucking mad at her. It's starting to like the show is starting to show and I think it really showcased it in kind of the merge episode and the episode right before that. Um which, by the way, make every episode of the show an hour and a half. Um, just my personal take. Not two hours, because two hours is a little bit too long, but an hour and a half, I if think, I'm, is like beautiful. If I'm paying um, for Paramount Plus... Give me 30 minutes. Exactly, dude. They have so much extra fucking footage. Yeah. Like, give me that content. Um, I think that it's starting to kind of show that, like, her and... Um, what's... Lindsay. What is, Lindsay yeah her and Lindsay just like kind of always at camp just like talking nonstop, and like Jonathan and Omar and other people are like you know sometimes it's nice to just be quiet like yeah. we can let's play enjoy the quiet game the, guys the let's vibes. enjoy let's just chill for a minute um Tori winning uh the immunity Dude, challenges I, Tori is a great villain because I hate her I truly cannot stand Tori it's, and I want and her to lose winning. immunity so bad and like it just it yeah uh, all right, so Survivor 42, I'm excited to uh, get to the end of the season, and we'll have our our boys, Dave and Nate, back on for that, mm -hmm. hopefully again. Um, we were going to talk Atlanta, but we're out of time. So just real quick, I think that this is the kind of show that I feel better watching without feeling like I need to have a take on it because it's it's the mm. kind of show where I just like there's so much every episode for me to soak in that I think is better served just like you know what maybe just <laughs> shut the fuck up and just absorb what this show has to say because it has a lot to say yeah. this season um and I think that 
you know, in, in our, our, uh, endless take cycle, a show like this can be counterintuitive to the need for people to be like, I need to have an opinion about this immediately. This is not that kind of show, especially this third season, the way it's coming in and just like absolutely blowing whatever expectations anyone had to the wayside. Mm -hmm. I feel totally cool just being like, let's just watch the show, absorb it and, and not really have a take on it. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. It's It's fucking incredible. The thing is that people who are just like, it just doesn't feel like Atlanta anymore. That's just like stupid. Like that's a dumb, that's a bad take to me. If that's the take that you're coming out of this with, it feels like Atlanta. It's exactly the show that it wants to be. I feel like in, I have been rewatching Atlanta and this is of a piece with everything else. I, There's some people who just yeah. like are, I think that people forgot what Atlanta was to be perfectly honest. Like I it, think that people thought that this was a different type of show than it is. And like the, the last episode that just came out is fucking it's incredible. An it's like up there with just some of the best shit they've ever done. Yeah. I think this season has had a few of those episodes. They're like up there with some of the best. The first one that this could ever Oof, offer. Yeah. The first episode is incredible. Uh, the big payback, uh, which is I without our boy, just getting Bartha. into it too much. It's Justin Bartha. It's an episode that none of the gang is in. Yeah. None of our friends are in. I love how they're and, doing that this season. Uh, the main premise of the uh, episode is just trying to like wrestle with what um, I'm trying to think of how to even, you know, I don't even want to say. So what we're not going to do is talk about it. Yeah. what I thought it's, it's (sighs) dealing with like what, what would happen if restitutions were to come reparations, reparations were (laughs) to not restitutions. If reparations were to kind of, come to fruition like and try and paint that as like almost a horror story from the white perspective so i think it's i think genius truly genius i think it wraps i think what are we at si- episode six yes so yeah. it's probably gonna Seven go to is 10 tomorrow yep 10. it goes to 10 um so yeah so we'll talk about it when it gets to the end of the season and then i think we get season four later this year or maybe yeah. early 23 uh i think for right now it's slated to come out late this year like fall um i know that uh listened to an interview with here marai a couple weeks ago and he said like he's editing season four right it's all been shot right. it's good to go um yeah. oh my god speaking of here marai if there's two seasons of atlanta this year and then it's over i'm gonna be very upset but I think it is over is, it's no i i know that it's over but it's just i don't want it to end i don't want it to end this year speaking of here marai i just remembered barry is also back yeah so we're we're drowning back. in it we are fully drowned. This is it. a good year for content, <laughs> fellas. Movies are good. TV's good. There's been fucking incredible albums this year. Um, one quick thing. Ernie, we're going to have to do a Better Call Saul ups because let me tell you. It's my shit, I've been binging dude. through Better Call Saul. I don't know why. For some reason, I had in my head because I watched season one and I was like, oh, it's just like it's kind of slow. So it's not as good for like watching as Breaking Bad and everything. I don't know why I had that like 
that opinion because I'm watching it and it just is like I don't want to stop. It's like it's not slow. I don't yeah. really know why I formed this opinion. In my it head. has some storylines that are slow. Yeah, I guess, but like, but then it flips even back. episode to episode. There is still like exciting moments, and the fucking acting is so good. Um, I know you've been on the Rhea Streethorn, uh, like just on this bandwagon for years, oh, yeah. and I'm now fully Kim Wexler. in. I have I. And on I'm like, I think on episode nine or ten of season three now. Oh, so you're um, getting to the good shit. Yeah, no, dude. Shit is ruling. Yeah. It's so that's, fucking that's good. When, I just got through the trial yeah. um, and everything of uh, Jimmy's brother, dude, Charles of you Chuck. Need, um, you need to text me as soon as you finish season three. Man. The final episode of season three is one of the best episodes of the whole show. It's fucking incredible. Yeah. It's it's an unbelievable show. It's it, so good. I'm I'm so ready to like just go all in on the show and to catch up for it to watch the last few episodes yeah. live. It's back for season 6, the final season, and I've been over here like kind of hesitantly like kind of flying my little flag over here. Oh, might be better than Breaking Bad. Might be better than Breaking Bad, guys. I will say it's kind of episode to episode. It's been very consistent where Breaking Bad like did have some lulls, especially early on. The the thing um, about Breaking Bad is that I, as someone who rewatched through Breaking Bad season one and season season two until the big moment happens at the end of that season is pretty dull. A lot of the time Breaking Bad has these insane highs. Yes. Explosive like that's, moments. That's the thing. And it has it has cooking meth. Like, there's no cooking <laughs> meth in Better Call Saul. They have fucking doc review. That's hey, the joke. Hey, but there is the Mesa Verde case. Yeah, exactly. And that's pretty exciting. <laughs> like, you're so. substituting cooking meth for fucking legal doc review. That's, <laughs> that's the whole joke around this show. And I know that that's a huge ask for people to, like, be like, all right, you're not going to get cool cooking meth montages. You're going to get post-it notes and and folders and papers but if you stick if you stick out those you know first season or so of that there's a lot along the way to keep you going there's an entire other show embedded in here mm. of nacho michael mando Dude, uh, he's putting so in the work mm -hmm. just a phenomenal performance and yeah and everything you're you're in right now with with the the whole chuck situation yeah which chuck is mike brother where mike is going with his story is just so good. it's it's phenomenal television and at this point in season six the new season it's just so finely tuned where every single detail every single tiny little decision is so expertly artistically crafted that all you can do is just sit back and fucking take it in and enjoy it because you're you know that you're in the hands of absolute masters. So we're eating. Yeah, we're eating real good. Um, we'll wrap it up there. There were a couple other things that we didn't have time to get to, but we'll punt it over to the next catch up episode. This one was a big one. We needed to, to get to a lot of this stuff. Um, and there's still a lot more to come as we uh, watch more new movies and more new shows, and then eventually get back to Robin. We had to put a pause on Robin to unload the ketchup because it was just it was the the meter was going past uh, the red into like the brown, 
Oh, that's into not, the black. That's not good. I was more thinking that like our our ketchup had like retroactively just formed a tomato because of how <laughs> thick it was. Mm, yeah, it was a tasty tomato yeah. though. Yeah, so. it was juicy. Ernie, I found what I'm going to like, get. Have you guys you. ever bitten into a tomato like an apple and it just like Ew. juice just splits from, out from the Jerry Bruckheimer store? Ernest, I'm, you still ever on the Jerry Bruckheimer store? I've found you. Oh, I'm on Etsy. Um, I found a replica of the green gas orb from The Rock. No fucking way. What? And it's in a glass case. And, ah! and it is $195. <laughs> so that's just a green orb. Well, that, that, that could literally be anything. It's in a glass they- case. <laughs> for that price, I would want the full set of all the orbs. Because it's like, you're, you yeah, should I want, get like, the like canister. 36 orbs. Um, it also seems, it glows in the dark. Oh, well, in that case. Are we sure this isn't like a bouncy ball that's just cool. sitting in? <laughs> it's just like a green bouncy ball that's just sitting I in think a glass it, de- it definitely is. <laughs> They also sell the same thing as Flubber. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> the exact like, same product, just branded <laughs> different. Dude, Jerry Bruckheimer loves his glow-in-the-dark green things. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please be sure to rate, review, subscribe, comment, and recommend the show. We got more cool stuff coming at you um, with more movies and Robin as we get back into our series. Um Follow us and subscribe and donate over at our website, webottommike.net, and our social medias at webottommike. Um, I think in terms of new movies, the big ones that we still have to, yet to get to are Everything Ever All at Once, yeah. The Northman, mm-hmm. and The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Got so, it. We got to go back to Cage. We have to go back. So Before we get to Robin, yeah, go back. Keep, keep an eye out on out for those and uh and then eventually we'll be in the thick of the summer movie season Mm. with um uh doc strange dr doctor give me the multiverse on that um Um, we're gonna have to take a big break before we record our next episode because the guy selling this gas orb is in winter garden we can go (laughs) oh my god we can just go to his house is it ed harris is he is (laughs) he like holding an entire Operation Hostage. <laughs> His name is Trader 806, but it, is it more like T R A I T O R? Because then it would be Ed Harris's character. Thanks for listening. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.